The Listening Owl presents When I'm Dreaming, I'm Not Blind. I think I can pretty much, if I want to go for a walk, I can go by myself, but everyone in my family is like, nope. They're scared I might end up in a river because of um, one, I'm female, two, I'm indigenous, and three, I'm blind. The rough-faced girl. I first heard it told in elementary school. It's kind of an indigenous Cinderella. There's a girl with mean sisters who make her look after the fire and do all the hard work. Over time, her long black hair gets singed and her face gets scarred from sparks. Her sisters make fun of her and many call her ugly. In her community, there's an invisible being and everyone wants to marry him because he has the largest wigwam and apparently he's very rich and handsome. But there's a catch. The one who will marry him is the one who is able to see him. Most people who try and see him are sighted, but they cannot see from their hearts. Therefore, they don't see him at all. I can't see right now at all. But uh, sometimes I get flashes of light, which is weird. I guess it's my brain doing that. And I can still dream, which is weird too. I know when it's daytime, and then I, and at night, no, I can't even, I can't even go anywhere. It's just that I get dizzy, <laughs> and I can see things close, like colors, <clears throat> and I can see shadows too. <laughs> I used to think how I'm going to manage, who's going to be there for me. Is my kids going to be there for me, or my wife is going to be there for me? Am I going to be, like, uh, get treated right, or am I going to be left all alone? And sure enough, uh, my, my kids are there for me even today. It went fast. My vision went fast. When I got diabetes, notice everything started turning white. Now, I was getting sick on that insulin, too, so I said, I want to get off this. It's not making me well, it's making me sick. When it's bright like this, I could kind of see it. Like just a very, think of it looking through a very frosted window, like early in the morning. Like it's that kind of light. Yeah, yeah that's how it is right now. You know, in your peripheral, you could kind of see, but not like focused or more detailed. That's how my entire vision is like. There's no center, like, focus. But yeah, I, I can see colors, light. Her. <laughs> Sadly, I can't see you, though. Yeah, like, I can't, sometimes I can't see, see anything with, like, I can, it's there, like, it's blocking the center, but I can still see around it. And then sometimes I can't see, and then I could still see with one eye. I don't know when it comes on like right now. Now it's gone again, see, and now I've got one splat like this. 
so it acts like whatever it wants to act like. The rough-faced girl experiences so many difficulties as she is forced to work harder than anyone. And rather than appreciating her, the two mean sisters find ways to make her already difficult life even harder. A year after that, I crashed my scooter into a ditch. <laughs> and that's when I realized I can't see anymore, so. <laughs> I crashed my scooter into a ditch. So I got myself back home because I could see light a little bit still. Then I noticed when I walked in, everything was blurry. So I lost sight in the middle of my eye. So something must have happened when I was starting to skidoo or something. So I must have damaged my retina further. It's a pretty rough way to find out. You've gone blind, you hit a ditch. <laughs> like it was just one loss after another. So I kind of got used to it afterwards. It was, it's strange. And slowly I start to to go around trying to be alone, and bust it around alone. And, and I started holding that cane. And shortly after that, when I started going around alone, started to notice uh, I was a target for them. I got run over when I was using that cane. I don't know how many times people say, didn't say, excuse me, just walk towards me, bump into me, and used, sometimes I used to fall down. You know, but now, now, now I don't use that thing anymore because I don't want to be a target anymore. I remember when uh, the driver, she, it was a female. Anyway, she, she dropped me off at my apartment. She said, okay, it's your stop. So she got off the bus too. She said, I think you're okay here anyways. So I didn't realize it was, I went in a ditch. So I told her, can you, excuse me, can you help me? Where the, uh, the door is, because I'm in the way, because there's cars at home. And then she got off, like she was stomping. She said, next time use your fucking brain. I had an eye doctor, and I remember when I went in, I had a big smile. I had been in the program already, I've been sober, and... And then he looks at me, he says, okay, you could sit here. And then he puts this big machine, you know, those big things, closes up everything, and then I'm sitting there, just a normal routine. When he, when he was doing this to me, he was looking at me, I said, oh, yeah, I think I know, I think the problem is happening with you in here. He said he poked me, like, in around here. Oh, what do you mean? I told him, he says, well, let me see. Then he started uh, unbuttoning my blouse. And then he started feeling my breasts. I said, don't, that's not how you're supposed to do it. That's not what you, don't do that, I told him. You're not, don't do that, I said. And then he says, well, let me see. And then he was trying to get into my pants. And I couldn't wiggle out of there. I tried everything. There was no way. Help! He said, she's gone already for the day. And then I just went crazy. I went really crazy. Like I, I remember I had bruises all along here because uh, 
the that table was uh, heavy, uh, cold, cold machines and. And he says, okay, okay. He says, he, he says that, okay, 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 calm down. He says, calm down. He says, uh, just, uh, that's where your disease is coming from. He says, it's coming from your breast. It's coming from down there. I want to check you. I'm a doctor, he says. No, I said, no. And then I said, don't, I'm going to tell on you. I said, I'm going to tell on you. I told him when I leave, he said, no, you won't. He says, because they're not going to believe you. You're an Indian woman. You're desperate, you don't have nothing. The two sisters decide to try their luck at seeing the invisible being. They demand that their father part with all of his buckskin so they can make new clothes. And they use up his supply of glass beads and leather to make moccasins. Off they go to see if the invisible being will marry one of them. But they're proud and too sure of themselves. When they get to the large wigwam, the sister of the invisible being asks what the invisible being's bow is made from. The first sister can't see him, so she lies and gets caught in her lies. The sister of the invisible being then asks the second sister what the runner of the sled is made of. She lies also, and both sisters get sent away from the wigwam. When they return home, to make matters worse, the two sisters have become even more demanding. Is that the medical center by St. Joe's there? That clinic? Yeah, I was going there. I had an appointment. I cut to the parking lot. And I met this woman. And all of a sudden she says, the effing squaw. What? <laughs> I, I never let anybody bother me like that before I tell her. I don't know why. And I just think, what did you say? Why did you say that to my face? One guy says, he grabbed my cane. He did grab my cane. He says, what is this for? I see you around without that. You're faking to be blind, he says. Well, bullying is what caused my vision loss. Well, not vision loss, but my eye problems in the first place. Um, I, just a bully was taunting me with the fire extinguisher. You know, fire extinguishers are usually by the sinks. Mm -hmm. Well, we were standing by the sinks, then he says, hey, look over here. I did, and next thing I know, I have that stuff spraying on my face. <gasps> and that stuff hurt. <laughs> that burned. <laughs> Each night, the rough-faced girl goes to sleep dreaming of going to the wigwam to see the invisible being. When the rough-faced girl closes her eyes, she can hear the dragonflies coming out at night to eat the mosquitoes. And she can feel the warmth of the fire on her face. Everything she senses brings her closer to the land and water. The next day, though she has nothing, she strings together a necklace of broken glass beads and seashells. 
She strips birch bark from a dying birch tree and makes herself a dress and leggings. However, the one thing she still doesn't have is protection for her feet. And we, if we didn't go to the bush for a period of time, they used to tell us, I think it's about time you go to the bush. Because the, 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 the longer you stay out of the nature, it's going to slowly drift away to a certain time when you come back, when you go back, you're going to make the trees and the water, the cedar and other God creations feel like stranger to you. She used to make them with everything with deer skin. Yeah. And it even had to. And then she'll sit for hours. I had a sweater too with deer skin. And then it had a moose fur. In it. But I didn't like it though, because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. That is where I learned to love symphony. Because when I started hearing music, I was in a bush. I started hearing noises. I started hearing cracks. The cracks in the bush and then the trickle of water somewhere way over there someplace. And then I could hear the birds cackling, some are screaming. And then you could hear the sound way out there, train tracks, just different, like, yeah, you know, and then you hear. When you're on a boat and you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah, that's, that's nice. The town would gather up in the bush and the men would go hunting for meat, <laughs> moose, goose, you know, and mm -hmm. such. And the women would cook. Went on for like four days. One time, we played like a week tournament. Man, was I ever sore two weeks after playing. My toenails fell off. Because <laughs> we were playing like outside in the middle of the lake, like minus 30, right? So I'd be standing there just hopping up and down. And I used to tell the defenseman, just let them come in and just let me move around a little bit. <laughs> oh, I used to do that with uh, women's uh, pantyhose. I was catching them by hand for a while, and then I thought, hmm. And then I thought to myself, what I could use? What could I use? I tried grabbing bags, and then I thought, no, onion, onion bag was the first one I used. And then later on, it hit me. I saw my mother's pantyhose hanging, and it stretches. And I grabbed it from the, from where it was hanging outside. I grabbed it and I took it in the bush. And I didn't tell them I did that. <laughs> I just went into that river, and I was there. And I had sticks here, sticks there. All the feet and legs were filled with the fish. My friend Nazi one time came and helped me. He said, oh, I'll help you. He says, you know, we're talking in our language. So we're pulling it out and then I was sitting there looking at how many fish. 
And then he says, are you going to eat all that all by yourself? And I said, no, I'm going to give it to my kukum. Took it all, drag it. And my, my real mother says, where did you get that thing? And I said, it was hanging outside, so I took it. I never lied, so I always told the truth. My mom didn't really get mad because she ate the fish. Frogs, loons, mm. the waves. I don't know, I just like, I miss the freedom. With her strange necklace and birch bark clothing, the rough-faced girl approaches her father to ask permission to go to the wigwam of the invisible being. She has nothing for her feet. The father wants to help her, but the two greedy sisters have already taken everything. The only thing he has to offer is his old, toughened moccasins. But they are worn so thin, she has to cut fresh cedar and lay a piece inside each moccasin. The father encourages her and wishes her well though he has so little to offer. Then about two years later, I never heard a doctor cry before, but the eye doctor cried and said, I can't do anything for you. When I first went blind, I was depressed and I just laid in my room all day in the dark, listening to the radio. Pretty much mourning the loss of my vision. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't read or write or draw anymore. Over time, my brother just started coming into my room and hanging out with me. He would just sit with me in the dark and we would talk or listen to the music. Occasionally, he would bring his DS in the room and play play Mario Kart or whatever, while well, I just sat there and listened. <laughs> Eventually, I, I started to um, tell him stories, because I, I missed writing, so the only way I could really express that is to tell my stories to him, because, you know, bad fiction. <laughs> but he's, he sat there and just endured it. We stood by the lake, so I give my daughter comes from home. I, I can't swim with that smoky right there because he keeps pulling me back to shore. <laughs> can't even go anywhere, so he pulls me right back to shore. Well, he's babysitting you. He's worried about you, looking at you. But I can't swim, Mom. Keep him in the house. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good dog. His name was Smokey. And there was a, a cousin of mine that was sleeping on top, on top where I was sleeping on a bunk. Late at night, I used to notice some person used to come and come and get a the one that's on the right to me or on the left of me or the top to me. Uh, a guy used to used to come and get them. And I don't know how, how long they used to take them out because I was sleeping. And by the time I woke up in the morning, that person usually be there. 
I, I used to uh, cross my legs and my fingers for that person not to choose me. This man used to come to my rescue. He said he didn't do nothing. Like every time when I used to put in a corner, I, I don't know if I did something wrong or not, or maybe I, I kind of say something stupid in my own language and then, or, or maybe hit a kid back uh, when they hit me. This nun used to come to my rescue. He said he didn't do nothing, or or he she used to pull me out of the corner. She used to uh, hug me or or take me for a walk with with, uh, with some other couple of students. As the rough-faced girl walks, she sees what other people don't. Everywhere she looks, she sees beauty, and imagines the invisible being in the rainbow. And as the sky turns to dusk, she sees the invisible being in the night sky. When, <clears throat> when I was in the hospital, I, before, I think before I woke up, my, my spirit was taken somewhere else, like uh, out of my body. It was a, a really, really beautiful garden. The, I could see the river, the flowers growing, the animals, the birds singing. And when you lift your foot, the grass would go back to normal the way it is. And then uh, this person take me to a teepee and there was uh, an elder standing beside the doorway. He opened the door and he waved at me to come. And when I got close to that elder, he had long white hair, pure white. And when I got closer, he pointed to the door, and uh, I knew that I had to go in. And when I went in, there was another elder, a woman, was sitting on a table. She was dressed the same way, but she was sitting down. And there was also a chair. And she pointed to the chair, and I noticed right away I was supposed to sit down. And shortly after that, she handed me a cross. And then I looked at her, and she looked at me. And then she kind of uh, pushed it towards me. I didn't want to take it at first. And, but the third time when she pushed it, that's when I took it. And I took that cross, and I held it. It slowly changed to an eagle white feather. That's how it was. Then she point to the wall of the TV or to the tent, as if she was telling me to look over there. And when I was looking, I could see through the tent. I could see the birds, the animals, the river, the beautiful garden outside. I could see through. As the rough-faced girl arrives at the wigwam, the invisible being's sister is waiting for her. The sister is wise because she knows right away if a person has a cruel heart or a kind heart. She asks why she had come. And the rough-faced girl answers that she has come to marry the invisible being. So the sister asks the same question she asked the two mean sisters and all of the others who had come since. What is the invisible being's bow made of? The rough-faced girl answers the curve of the rainbow. This pleases the invisible being's sister, so next she asks, what are the runner of his sleds made of? 
The rough-faced girl answers, It's the spirit road, the Milky Way of the stars. You truly see him, the sister says. The best ones are the hockey ones, because you wake up like you actually were there. In my dream, everything is colorful. Everything, I could see everything, I could see numbers. When I'm having a catnap, I see numbers. Even now, my senses is alive. Oh, like I got the best nose in town. People call me now for my nose. For their, at their homes, they ask me to come and smell because they, somebody said, your house smells like something's rotting. So I went and I told them, oh, I could tell if it's a cat, if it's a dog, if it's a certain different kind of animal. And <laughs> he says, come, come overnight. I want you to smell something. <laughs> I think I described it as sound shadows, like sensing poles when you're walking down the road or even a building. There's some, there's some hidden gifts that, that each and every one of us have. And if we encounter a disability like myself, or if you lose a leg, there's that hidden gift will come out and, and uh, help you. I know I said I was depressed the first three months, but as I probably, yeah, probably should be. Because <laughs> um, after I had my retina surgery, because they thought, they figured they would try anyway to fix it. And when I woke up and there was nothing, it didn't bug me. I was like, did I miss Big Bang Theory yet? That <laughs> was my only worry when I woke up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then my mom goes, when she was berry picking, and then she goes, um, I can't find any more in here. Because she didn't realize she was talking to a bear. Oh. It was a black bear. <laughs> so then she walked away, like really fast. <laughs> She used to say, you always think everything is funny. She used to tell me that, you know, maybe you could use that, that, that thinking towards your, your disability. Maybe there's, there's a reason why you always think things are funny from time to time. People just want me to go to a home. I said, no. I said, I my independence. And I said, one thing I can do is walk out the door and start walking. <laughs> as soon as the wise sister hears the answers to the questions, she invites the rough-faced girl into the wigwam. And there, the invisible man is waiting for her. He only sees her beauty. And she, of course, only sees his. The sister brings the rough-faced girl down to the river to bathe in preparation for the wedding. As the rough-faced girl washes, the cruelty she experienced and her scars fade away. Um, just having insight on all of you guys, I guess. Like, what did you guys go through, your stories? It, it develops encouragement and the strength. From, uh, from the stories that I hear. 
And some of them were talking and some of the people that weren't here, it was like they were here. My grandmother had, she was blind since she was uh, in her early uh, 30s. She was blind. She lost her vision, total vision. And she had operated with without vision for all those years. She taught herself. She knew her sound got better. She said she felt like somebody was guiding her how to live her life. I don't know who was helping her. And she always told me that's what you gotta believe in when you when you don't see you gotta believe in you gotta believe in something that's gonna guide you there. The rough-faced girl was adapted from a Iroquois legend. It's one of my favorite stories. This program was produced by Willow Springs Creative Center and the CNIB Foundation, supported by the Ontario Arts Council, directed by Eleanor Albanese, edited by Zoe Gordon, narrated by Michelle DeRosier, stories contributed by Peter Beardy, Manich Kabe, Brittany Everett, Wilfred Muniaz, Gloria Pepompe, and Samantha Turtle.